0: Hello, and welcome back to the Taurus Report, where we will take modern cosmology by the horns. What I mean by that is that we are going to be uh, challenging standard uh, GRL-CDM theory, and we will be replacing that over time, over several episodes, with something called cyclic uh, gravity and cosmology. Um... In this new cosmology, there is no dark matter. There is no dark energy. uh, There is no Big Bang. There is no stretching of space. uh, There is no inflation. um, And uh, we only use forces and types of matter that are known to us from particle accelerators. Now, before we continue exploring all that, um, I would like to... Uh, just show you how to get to our website and explore some of the links in there. And then we will uh, begin again proceeding uh, uh, to explain some of these results from the Webb Telescope and how uh, cyclic gravity and cosmology, CGC, uh, can uh, explain what it is that we're seeing. So uh, to get to our website, if you just open up a uh, browser... And uh, just in the address bar, if you just type taurus Report" all as one word, dot com, and hit enter, then that should bring you to our website. Now, uh, in our website, uh, you can uh, choose to... Uh, watch all of the videos on uh, YouTube. Uh, If you just would like to listen to them, you will be able to listen to them on Spotify. Um, I also have uh, sort of a running uh, group of posts and links and comments and so forth on Facebook. And then here, if you click on this link, you will get to the uh, paper, Cyclic Gravity and Cosmology. And in that paper, I explain in more detail all of the things that I'm going to be talking about uh, in this series as a response to what we're seeing in web, uh, with the Webb Telescope right now. Um, and also, uh, when you click on this link right here, the site links, that will bring you into the YouTube comments. And I am going to pin uh, all of the links from each episode. Like when I'm talking, if there's various links that I uh, use uh, as I'm explaining things, I will pin pin those links here so that you'll be able to see what it is uh, that I am seeing. Now, uh, this episode... This episode... Uh, um, What I would like to look at in this episode is going to be explaining um, how did the Big Bang get to be the dominant view in modern cosmology? Um, We had various uh, competing views before that. There was a static universe, the idea that the universe has been kind of the same for eons. And I'm kind of proposing something that's... uh, kind of a compromise, I guess, sort of stat- static, but not completely static, and, and we will get to that. But anyways, how did the Big Bang become the dominant view, and uh, what uh, might we replace that with? And that is what I'm going to uh, uh, explore in this episode. The first thing that um, sort of encouraged cosmologists to move in the direction of the Big Bang Uh, It started with Einstein when he uh, posited uh, an expansion constant to explain why the whole universe, uh, over tremendous amounts of times, billions of years, if gravity is the only operating macro force, why doesn't the whole universe, over billions and billions of years, collapse in upon itself? Uh, And uh, Einstein proposed that, Uh, the universe, uh, space stretching, allows the universe to uh, slightly expand over time, and this expansion would counteract gravity. And this seemed more plausible because general relativity first introduced the idea of stretching space. And so once you posit the idea of stretching space, It seems plausible that that uh, you might uh, be able to claim that the universe uh, space itself might stretch at a constant rate over time and that 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 counteracted gravity now when Hubble uh, He was an astronomer that discovered that uh, most distant galaxies when we look out into the universe uh, most of them are red shifted the light is stretched from what it would normally be, which means kind of one of two things are possible. Uh, I actually think there's three different things possible, but one of two things uh, in standard cosmology would be possible at that point. If most of the galaxies are red-shifted, that means that they're either accelerating away from us, okay, now... When I say accelerating, I do not mean simply moving away from us. I mean accelerating away from us. So they're moving away from us at an increasing rate. Um, Or space itself is stretching. Now, some scientists uh, also propose something called tired light, the idea that as light travels tremendous distances and this effect would only show, show up like in intergalactic distances so not at distances like between stars in our galaxy but light that's traveling between galaxies and galaxy clusters that that light loses energy as it travels and that is called tired light now tired light as the, the sole explanation for this redshifting uh, has been disproven to my satisfaction, uh, uh, and we will go into some of that uh, research a little bit later when we uh, go a little bit more in depth on the cosmic microwave background radiation. Um, but so, while I believe that tired light has been disproven as the only explanation. I do believe that tired light does make a contribution. In other words, I believe that light does lose energy over great distances, but not enough energy to account for all of the redshift that we're seeing. So uh, either the galaxies are uh, accelerating away from us, or there's tired light, or space is stretching, or some combination of those. So if one borrows from GR the idea of space stretching and says that going forward in time, uh, our our, uh, universe is constantly stretching like that, then one logically would assume that as you go back in time, the universe would get closer and closer together and hotter. And if you take it to an extreme, all the way back to the beginning, there would be a very hot, dense origin of the universe. And this hot, dense origin is what I refer to as the Big Bang. Um, there's recently been some controversy over very precise definitions, and so I'm not going to attempt to, like, precisely define it because I don't want to get kind of sidetracked into all those debates about the precise Definition. So I am just defining it as a time when the universe was hotter and denser or super hot or super dense. And I'm just calling that rough direction or area, I'm calling that the Big Bang uh, to simplify things. So if uh, that did in fact, if that really was the past, uh, then uh, this man here... Uh, Ralph uh, Alpher, I think in 1948, he proposed that this exists, the cosmic microwave background radiation. And this is sort of, for me it was, it took me a while to understand this, and, and so I'm going to take a little time to kind of explain why modern cosmologists believe that this is a relic of the Big Bang. And to do that, I'm going to use this excellent uh, analogy, and I will include the link in uh, the comments, as I said. Uh, So I found this on ResearchGate, uploaded by Charlie Lineweaver. Uh, I don't know if that's a pseudonym or not, but in any case, I thought this was excellent. Uh, And this kind of explains it very well. So imagine that uh, all of these little gray circles here, okay, Imagine that you're in in an uh, infinite field of people screaming, okay? So each of those is somebody's head, and they're screaming. So you're in this field, and it's an infinite field, so the people are going on and on and on and on forever in all directions, right? And they're all screaming, okay? And then at a certain point in time, let's call it at the time of the Big Bang, Uh, At that point in time, they all stopped screaming at once. They all stopped screaming. Now, the thing is, if you're standing here at the center, right, you are going to continue to hear screaming because people who are far away, it takes time for those sound waves to get to you, right? So because it takes time to get to you, You're going to continue hearing screaming even after they stop screaming. And if it's an infinite field, right, if it's an infinite field, then even though they all stopped screaming at exactly the same time, you would keep hearing sound forever, right? Because uh, if it's an infinite field, then somebody from way out here, his scream is going to arrive to you later, even though he stopped screaming quite some time ago, right, um, you're still going to hear it. Now, it's true that the group of people you hear, and here's where we talk about the surface of last screaming, the people you hear will be on the edge of this circle, and this circle is constantly getting bigger and bigger, right? So you'll hear these guys right at the beginning, and then they'll stop, but when they stop, the people in the next layer, if you can imagine another circle further out, that layer will be coming to you, and when, when they stop screaming, there'll be people who are further away, and you'll imagine an even bigger circle, and then those people will be coming, uh, their sound, their scream will be coming to you. And so you'll be constantly hearing this scream, and it's kind of like a background, scream, you might call it. And the cosmic microwave background radiation is sort of like that. It's like uh, light from the Big Bang arriving to us constantly, right, Uh, even though it stopped a long time ago. Well, now maybe you're saying, though, wait a minute, um, If you're saying that the Big Bang happened at a certain place and time and that light is just arriving to us now, um, wouldn't the stream or the the light from that event, it would just last a certain amount of time? How does it make sense that it's just a constant uh, stream and it never ends? And I'm going to try and explain that a little bit with a little bit of diagramming. So I'll go to a diagram. And um, the thing that makes it tricky is the stretching universe. The only way that it makes sense is if you understand uh, the universe under constant expansion, uh, then it starts to make sense. If you understand that our position in space, whatever our position is, was at the Big Bang, but we've been constantly expanding. And so I'll try to uh, diagram that out uh, for a couple minutes here. The key is understanding that we were all at the Big Bang. Now, I don't mean that I'm 13.8 billion years old. What I mean is that our particular position in space, this position we're in right now, like if this is the Big Bang, and let's say our position is here, right? Uh, This position we're at right now was at the Big Bang. And as space stretched over the course of, you know, 13.8 billion years, as space stretched and the cosmos, the universe got bigger and bigger, maybe our position in this modern time is, let's say, here, right? We're in the kind of the same relative position that we were in at the beginning of the Big Bang. And because space is stretching, it allows light from different places in the universe to arrive at us at different times. So it allows light from different places of the universe to arrive at us at different times, which means that we are sort of, in a way, we're in this situation. Okay, where all of these uh, different places here, uh, instead of thinking of them as heads of people screaming, think of them as all the different places in the universe that light from the Big Bang can arrive to us, even though our position was at the Big Bang, along with all these other positions, right, Uh, because of the stretching of space. Then light can arrive at vastly different times, and so that's why we get this when we look at the sky. What this is a picture of the whole sky looking at in the infrared, and coming from the whole sky, all directions, we have this arriving radiation, and that is called the cosmic microwave background radiation. And modern cosmology thinks of it as uh, the uh, afterglow of the big bang now the first person to uh propose this was ralph A- uh, asher uh alfer, i'm sorry ralph alfer uh, like in 1948 he first proposed this now the interesting thing is that um uh two re- researchers in the 60s i'll talk about them next they actually found it okay so uh, this guy, uh, Mr. Alfer, he proposed that we might be uh, uh, detecting an afterglow from the Big Bang coming from all directions in the sky, right? And then a short time after that, uh, some researchers actually found such a signal, and that was considered very strong evidence for the, for, to confirm a prediction by uh, the Big Bang Theory. In 1964, these radio astronomers, Robert Wilson and Arno Penzias, uh, they discovered a signal uh, coming from all directions of the sky, from all directions in the universe, of a background radiation that had the characteristics that Alpher had uh, predicted. And so... It seemed that uh, the Big Bang, the idea of the Big Bang, was confirmed by this, because this is a prediction that came true. Now, how can uh, we get away from that? Okay, How is it that we can propose something else to explain these results? Um, so the first thing I would like to explain is... How it is that light can be uh, redshifted the way that it is, and then the second thing that I would like to explain is how it is that we have the cosmic microwave background radiation, the CMB. First, um, as I said, why is uh, the light redshifted? Um, I propose uh, with CGC that. Gravity, under certain circumstances, is repulsive. So sometimes gravity is attractive, like it attracts things together. And under certain circumstances, it's repulsive. And I explain in detail those circumstances in my paper. Uh, But for now, uh, just to explain this redshifting, let's just go with that. So when we see light redshifted from uh, uh, most... Uh, Galaxies as we look out into the universe, I am proposing that it is redshifted for two reasons that have nothing to do with the stretching of space. The first reason is that most galaxies are, in fact, accelerating away from each other, and that is the cause of the redshift. I also propose that part of the redshift, as I said, uh, the entire redshift cannot be caused by uh, tired light, that has been disproven. But I propose that part of the redshift, uh, tired light, is responsible for part of the redshift. Now, in CGC, the universe is eternal and it is gently expanding and contracting. It goes through uh, alternating periods of expansion and contraction. And when it goes into contraction, it does not go to the extent uh, of a Big Bang. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there's periods of contraction where the universe gets closer together. It still retains its structure. You still have galaxies, clusters, you know, star systems, all of that stuff. Uh, And then uh, it has periods of expansion. And we are in a period of expansion right now. And that expansion, along with tired light, is the cause of the redshift. Now, um, uh, there are other things to consider besides the ones that I've mentioned, and uh, we will get to all of them in, in due time. So if it's not the Big Bang, where does the CMB come from? Now, um, because uh, CGC presents the universe as forever expanding and contraction, contracting, like alternating, like here's the universe... Uh, at a small phase, and then it expands out, and the universe becomes large, right, and then it contracts. And uh, CGC explains why this happens. It is not an arbitrary thing. that gravity behaves this way. And uh, that's one of the beauties of it, is that nothing is arbitrary. It is based on uh, uh, the forces that we know, and there's a good reason why it should do this expanding and tr- contracting. So the universe contracts, gets smaller, expands, gets larger, uh, contracts, and it just alternates like that forever. However, in the outer reaches of the universe is intergalactic medium but I have to be clear here because it has been confusing to some because some uh, when I use the phrase intergalactic medium in this context they assume that I am like say here's a galaxy here's a galaxy here's a galaxy here's a galaxy they assume that I'm talking about the medium in between individual galaxies and I am not I'm referring to a portion of the intergalactic medium That is outside of all galaxies, and I am claiming that that is going to be filled with, uh, uh, well, I'm not sure if it's neutral gas or if it's plasma, but it is filled with uh, gas or plasma of some sort. So I am claiming in these outer reaches where there are no stars, no galaxies, and it would be completely dark. Uh, You have gas and plasma out here, and when light comes from the interior universe, like say from a galaxy, if it goes out into the outer reaches here, eventually you have what's called Compton scattering, where the light is absorbed and then re emitted Now, it can be re emitted in any direction, but because the... Uh, intergalactic medium, this outer region, is so thick, no light from our universe ever escapes, right? It either gets absorbed in this area or else re-emitted back at a different and lesser wavelength. Now, um, one of the reasons why cosmologists will think it's coming from the Big Bang is because it is not starlight. It does not have the same black body profile as starlight, and that needs to be explained. And so I explain it by positing that light goes into this this layer, and I'm not sure what to call this, uh, the outer universe layer. I, I call it intergalactic medium, but as I said, sometimes That same phrase is used for stuff in here, and I think that this may be a different sort of uh, thing. But in any case, um, I think that observations are consistent with it originating originating in starlight, going into this intergalactic medium. uh, having Compton scattering, and Compton scattering is where light is absorbed by uh, material and then re-emitted at a different wavelength. Uh, If it's a lower wavelength, it's called Compton scattering. If it's a higher wavelength, it's called reverse Compton scattering. And then it comes back to us, and this signal that we're receiving from all regions of the sky, that is the CMB. That is my explanation for the CMB. And about now, I would say that uh, for professional uh, cosmologists and astrophysicists, uh, they might be saying stuff like, uh, oh, what about uh, deuterium abundances? Um, You know, what about the power spectrum of the CMB? Uh, And that's just the beginning. Uh, All of cosmology, there's a whole raft, a whole host of various interlocking things to explain. Um, And so we've really just kind of scratched the surface right now, Uh, but in following episodes of the Taurus Report, I am going to deal with every single one of these kinds of objections that I can get a hold of and uh, step by step uh, try to prove to you uh, that the cosmology uh, presented by CGC um, uh, cyclic uh, uh, gravity and cosmology that it is going to be over time proven correct and it is consistent with what we're seeing with the uh, James Webb Space Telescope. Uh, Thank you very much for watching and we will see you again next week. Bye for now.